Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. You know, as we live our lives, there are many confusing things, complicated things that we'll experience in this life. Things like, you know, why do mosquitoes exist? Where is that one sock that keeps going missing? What do women want? Kidding. We know why mosquitoes exist. Um, but one of the things that can be very confusing is something like insurance, right? What are my, what are my insurance premiums keep going up when my car is depreciating by the second, right? What is up with that? So my father-in-law, he... Um, is in the insurance industry, and uh, so I get to hear some of the inner workings of the industry, the inner details. Uh, you know, there are a whole bunch of T's and C's that if you don't stick to, you might not get your insurance claim paid out, or you might get a limited payout when you're trying to claim. Let me give you some examples. So you have to make sure that you are covered for the right amount when it comes to household insurance. That is our responsibility. Uh, now, that's a hard thing, right? Because who knows how much all their household contents are actually worth? From the AMC pots there in the cupboard, to the appliances you have, to those weird ornaments that your auntie gave you that are sitting on the mantel there. We don't know these things, right? But when something happens, if you're not insured for the right amount, you will only get paid out a percentage of what you lost. Here's another example. So obviously, we insure our vehicles, and uh, most of us insure our vehicles through personal insurance. So let's say we are at work one day and we go out for a business meeting and uh, something happens and we have an accident and we try to claim, we might not get paid out our claim because we went out for a business meeting and we went short under personal insurance. You see, who knew these things? Sometimes these complications that we have in the insurance industry, but you know, sometimes we feel like prayer is like insurance. We're trying to claim on God's promises, but we feel like we're being denied, we're being rejected, we're getting a half payout on these claims and these blessings that we want from God. You see, just like insurance has its T's and C's, we need to understand that prayer has its T's and C's as well. So today, that's what we're going to be talking about, the T's and C's of prayer. The T's and C's of prayer. I hope I can bring some clarity to this important topic and subject of prayer. You know, when it comes to the T's and C's of insurance, it's on all those pages that we've chosen not to read, right? All we do is we look at that highlights page, that front page, we're like, yes, that's my registration number, that's how much my premium is, that's the excess, ouch, and that's, we move on, right? We can do the same thing with prayer. For many of us, we look at the scriptures on prayer, but we, we hear about just the highlights page, the main page of those scriptures, and normally that looks like Instagram. Uh, normally that looks like that, that WhatsApp picture that your mom sent you. Uh, and we see these highlights of Scripture and what it tries to say to us, but we can't build our theology and our understanding of prayer based on these snippets and these pieces of Scripture. We need to make sure we get the full picture, not just these pictures of pretty backgrounds of trees and oceans and mountains. What is God trying to say to us? Because we need to make sure we have the right foundation. We need to make sure we build a strong foundation when it comes to this important topic and subject of prayer. So what is the basis of prayer? What's the foundation of it? 
You know, I think we see this when we look at the first few words that Jesus uses when he's teaching his disciples on how to pray. Bible trivia. What are the first two words that Jesus uses? He says, our Father. He could have used a number of different words to describe God. There are numerous words. He could have even used the word God itself. Why did he choose to use these two words when teaching us about prayer? You see, it's this, because prayer is about relationship with the Father. Prayer is about relationship with the Father. And relationships are all about trust. So what we see in the space is that this prayer life that we have is all about this journey of building trust with the Father. So I think sometimes we struggle with this concept of prayer because we struggle with the concept of having a relationship with God. We struggle with this concept of having this relationship with this person that we can't see, right? It's quite a concept. You know, I think God gave us earthly, natural relationships in our lives because it gives us insight into what we should expect from our relationship with God. So let's look at this example here. We have a man and a woman, and uh, uh, they are journeying together, and obviously the whole thing starts when they meet each other, right, for the first time, and they see each other from across the room maybe at Relate Ministry, uh, Relate Fellowship of the Singles, whatever it is, and, and, and they like what they see, um, but then they start journeying, right? You start to get to know each other. You start communicating. You start conversing. You start sharing things about yourselves. And as you get to know the person, obviously, what you're doing here is you are giving them information about yourself, and you are trusting them with this information, with aspects of your heart, with aspects of your life, and trust is now developing. So you continue going. Obviously, you get to know them. They get to know you. You start to experience life together. You start sharing your friends and uh, the people close to you, and they get to know you through, you know, the, the person's mom or their dad or whatever it is, and this trust develops more and more. You know, the goal of a relationship like this is intimacy, not just physical intimacy. I'm talking about a, an emotional intimacy where you start to trust the person fully, even though you don't know everything about them, right? So my wife can now confidently approach me and ask me for something, even though she doesn't know everything about me. Gosh, I don't even know everything about myself. But she's not in the other room there thinking, oh man, can I go ask him something? No, no, that's not what she's doing, right? She can confidently approach me, and she knows that if I have the ability to give her something, I will. And if I don't, she knows that there's just reason why I haven't, right? That's the way that relationships work. That's the way that intimacy works within relationships. So let's look at it with God. So we start with God and we first have to meet God, right? We have an encounter with God. We meet him like in a service like this. We meet God for the first time. Then what starts to happen? We get to know God. We get to know God through reading the word, through hearing messages preached, through hearing through other people's testimonies. We start to get to know God more and more. And obviously God knows everything about us, but as we start to share our emotions, our needs with God, we start trusting him more and more. And this relationship of trust starts to develop. And obviously we experience life. We get to experience things. And through this continued conversation, not just church on the weekend, this continued conversation throughout the week, we start to trust more. And our relationship develops with God more and more. Till we get to the point of what's the goal? Intimacy with God. So we get to trust God fully, even though we don't know everything about him, we still trust him fully. So we get to the point where we can confidently approach our father and ask him for anything, and we know that if he has the ability to give us something, he will, and if he doesn't, we know there's just reason why he hasn't. 
We need to make sure we understand what this relationship with God is all about as we look at our natural, earthly relationships as well. We need to make sure we understand the basis of prayer. Because as soon as we start to lose sight of what prayer is all about, we start to ask questions. We start to have certain doubts about God's character. We start to ask questions like, if God is all-knowing, why doesn't he just give me everything that I need? He knows what I need because this is why. If God had to give us every single thing that we need, we'd never have an opportunity to actually build trust with him. If there's no trust, there's no relationship. What's God's greatest desire for us? That he be in relationship with his kids. That's why God is not a genie. He's a father. He wants a relationship with us. So we need to make sure we have a good understanding, a firm foundation of what prayer is all about. It's about this journey that we go on with God so we can build a trusting relationship with our heavenly Father. So as we spend some time on that, I'm going to make sure I spend some time on that. Let's look at some of the T's and C's of prayer, some of the things that are preventing us from making claims to God and His promises that He has for us. Let's look at what Instagram is trying to block us from. Let's look at the first scripture here, and we're going to tackle it scripture by scripture. James 4 verses 2, it says this. You don't have what you want because you don't ask for it. Okay, Instagram. Psalm 37 verses 4 says this. He will give you the desires of your heart. So we take a look at these scriptures. We're like, okay, man, this seems easy enough. I just have to come to God and just sort of name what I want. and It's going to come into my life. This seems too easy. But, but let, let, me, let me give you the T and C that we're not familiar with here. And here's the first T and C. You must first check your motives. You must first check your motives. Because this is what Instagram didn't tell us about. It didn't tell us about verse 3. It only gave us James 4 verse 2 with the pretty background. Because this is what James 4 verse 3 tells us. One verse afterwards it says that even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. So there we thought, I'm just going to name it and claim it. I'm just going to ask for what I want, but I'm not going to just get it. Because I first have to check my motives, and then I will receive what God wants for my life. What about Psalm 37 verses 4? You see, what Instagram did is it only put part of the scripture there. Because what it, could, it, it couldn't fit the scripture and the trees. All right, So it had to cut out some of the verse there. But this is what the full scripture says here. Take delight in the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. You sometimes are missing these important pieces of scripture that make it full and allow us to step into all that God has for our lives. You know, what does the word delight mean? We don't use that word often, right? The word delight means to please someone greatly. See, is our motive to please God or is it just to please ourselves when we come to him in prayer? You know, how, do we, how do we figure this out? How do we decipher all of this in our minds? Is it some mystical thing? No, no, it's our current lives will show us who we're trying to please. Because if we're living in a, in a life of disobedience, we're clearly showing who we're trying to please. We're trying to please ourselves, right? So if we're in a relationship and we're not married yet and we're sleeping with our girlfriend, but in the same breath we're praying that God blesses our relationship, or praying that God helps us through the struggle or this fight that we're going through, we can't do that. 
or, or if we're not tithing and not giving into God's house, not playing our part here, we can't then be praying for financial breakthrough. God is saying, what are you, what are you doing here? Or we're not serving in God's house and playing our part like he asks us to do, but in the same breath, we're praying for purpose and clarity on those things. Where's our motive in this? Because our current lives will show us where our motives are. Because God is asking us, what's your motive? I want to give you all that I have in store for you, but we need to make sure we check our motives. Because again, whenever we're confused about things, we need to bring it back into relationship with God and with people. Because a healthy relationship looks like this, where both people... Both parties want the best for each other, right? So when it comes to God, and when we're trying to aim and please God, we bring into alignment both what's best for God and what's best for our own lives as well. We can't go wrong when we're trying to please God. Because yeah, sometimes we can get into confusing states of like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can pray now because I don't know what the motives of my heart are and I don't know how to communicate this to God. What we need to become is fluent in the language of prayer. And how do we do this? We read God's word. And when we look at children that are being raised, children learn the language because they hear their parents speak, right? The more they hear their parents speak, the more they become fluent in the language. So right at the start, kids are, are crying and fussing and moaning for what they need, for their basic needs. But as they grow up, they start to increase and they can communicate what their uh, more advanced needs are as they learn the language. And as kids grow more and more, they can actually enter into friendship with their parents because they understand things at a whole different level now. I think too many Christians are, are still at the infant level. We're busy crying and squealing for our basic needs instead of learning the language of the Word of God and asking for the advanced things of the dreams and desires and all that God wants for our lives. But we need to learn the language of prayer, which is from the Word of God. As we become fluent with that, we'll step into a whole new realm of prayer and conversing and communing with God, which is what he wants for our lives. So we start this journey and we can say, Nick, okay, cool. I've searched my motives and I really want what God wants for my life. I really wanna to aim to please God, but I'm still not finding the answers to the prayers that I'm sending out to God. What else can be blocking? What else can Instagram be trying to sell to me here? And here's the next verse we're gonna look at. 1 John 5 verses 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. So we can see that and we're like, yeah, that's a great promise. Uh, but it almost gives us a picture that, that God is just waiting there. And, and as soon as we say something, he's like, yeah, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's name and claim that as well. But that's not the case. Because here's the next T and C. Point number two is this. We have to desire God's will more than our own. When it comes to looking at God's promises and what he wants, what we want for our lives, we have to desire God's will more than our own. Because we read 1 John 5 verses 15, but Instagram didn't tell us about verse 14, which is just before that. It says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask him anything according to his will, he hears us. Timothy Keller wrote a great book on prayer. And he says that, uh, that prayer has a safety valve because sometimes God needs to protect us from our own prayers. Because sometimes we're praying things and, and God wants to give us everything that is good for our lives. Psalm 84 says that, that God will withhold no good thing for those that do what is right, but he will withhold no good thing from us. So where are we going wrong? Maybe God's good is different to our good. 
Maybe there's a bit of a discrepancy there, an unreconciled thing there. You know, at the beginning of this year, uh, we realized that we needed a bigger car. The family is getting bigger. The girls are getting bigger. I put on a little bit of extra weight as well. So just generally, we just advance it. So we're like, okay, cool. Uh, let's get a new car. We're going to get an SUV. We started looking around at uh, just a car that would suit us, and uh, we had a specific uh, brand and model in, in mind. And looking at our budget, we, we realized, man, I, we can only get a 2016 model. That's in our budget. So we started looking at, obviously, all the car sites and stuff. We started looking around, and um, we saw a car that we wanted. Like, man, this is perfect. The color is great. It's got some good mags. Obviously, you need to have some good mags. <laughs> and we're like, uh, okay, let's phone this guy. Let's pray about this. Let's pray for God's blessing here. Phone the guy. He says, man, it, it just got sold. I'm like, oh, man, that's a bummer. Obviously, kept looking. Started looking again, and then we found an even better one. This man, this, this had lower mileage. This was perfect. We're like, Lord, thank you for this. What a blessing. This would be amazing. Picked up the phone. Man, it just got sold. Like, Lord, what is going on here? How can we keep missing your blessing here? What's, what's going wrong? We were quite disappointed. We just obviously just kept going, kept looking. And then my brother-in-law phones me. He says, Nick, you won't believe it. The dealership has this insane, incredible sale on the car that you want, except it's not a 2016 model. It's a brand new 2019 model. And for some reason, it's in your price range. It's bizarre. It's brought in from Australia. You need to get here now. So we dash off to the dealership. We get there. There's one left there. We're like, yeah, tell me where to sign. We sign there. And we get this amazing, amazing car, a 2019 model, exactly what we wanted in our price range. Man, God is so, so good. But you know what I was grateful for? I was so grateful that God didn't answer our two previous prayers. Because God's good is way different to our good. God's good is way better than our best, and we have to trust Him for His good in our lives. His will is always better than our will. So we find ourselves in a space where we're checking our motives. Like, Lord, our, our motive is to please you. Then we find ourselves in the space of, like, Lord, I'm settled. I want your will over my will. And now we're saying to ourselves, okay, if God's will is more important, then why can't I just say in the morning, Lord, let your will be done. Amen. Thank you. Why can't that be our prayer lives? What's wrong with that? Here's why. Point number three is that we have to know what we want. We need to know what we want. And here's a scripture I'm going to read to you. It's in the book of Mark here. And, um, Let's read it together. It says this. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left the town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. The bottom man threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. You see, we, this, uh, we see Bartimaeus shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what's Jesus' response to him? 
What do you want me to do? See, your will be done is, is too super spiritual. God is saying, no, 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 you need to tell me exactly what you want me to do in your life. I love the way that A.W. Tozer puts it. He's a great theologian, and he says, often we need to pray until we pray. Because often we start praying, and we're so vague about we're praying, we don't even know what we want. He's saying, no, no, keep on praying until you're actually honest about what you want. And why do we need to go through this process? Because when we're specific about what we're praying for, when it comes to pass, we know there was God, not just some general goodness in the world, not some general karma. It was our God Almighty that brought it into our lives so that God gets the glory, nothing else gets the glory because we were so specific. We were like, man, that had to have been God. Only God knew how specific that need was. God gets the glory. And the whole goal of prayer is this, that we end up following God even closer. What did Bartimaeus do? He followed Jesus down the road. So when we're specific with God, we see him come through for us. Our faith is built, and we follow Jesus down the road. That's the point of prayer. Is this helping someone today? So we find ourselves and our motive is right. We're aiming to please God. We want to settle that, man, God's will is better than our will. His good is better than our best. I'm going to trust in that. We've deciphered what we want. We've said, man, I'm going to pray until I pray. I'm going to be specific about what I want. What else is stopping us? What are we seeing in that picture quote that our mom sent us that is preventing us from stepping into all that God has for us in prayer? Psalm 27 verses 13 says this. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. What a promise. But I think sometimes when we leave this in, in isolation, it can feed our instant gratification society that we live in. Like, man, we're going to receive everything in the here, in the now, right? When I want it, I'm going to get it. But that's not the case, right? Here's T and C number four. We have to trust in God's timing. We have to trust in God's timing. And this is a tough one. I think it's the one we struggle with the most, right? This is often when we go off the uh, the rails here and, and off track, we start doubting God's goodness and his character. Many people drift away from God altogether because of this factor of timing. But what is God saying to us right here in the next verse? He says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. And in case you forgot, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You know, we see many delays in the Bible. You know, when we read the, the Bible, obviously it's a, it's a big, thick book, but it's written over thousands of years, and it's actually a highlights reel, because there are hundreds of years between the miracles. Sometimes we can think that God is just dropping miracles throughout the Bible. No, 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 there are hundreds of years that span between miracles that people experience in their lives, because God is always about the process. God is always about the process, and God's timing is there because he has a process in place. You know, because God created time, he created time. Time didn't exist before God created it, and he created us, and he placed us in time. So God already sees the end. That's why we need to trust God for his timing in our lives, because it's in the bigger picture. The bigger uh, picture is explained in the timing that we're experiencing, the doubts that we have in our minds. When we see the bigger picture, then we see the timing that God had for us in our lives. Because God in his timing often has a greater glory that needs to be foreseen or a greater benefit that needs to flow out of that. And so let's say we see someone who's struggling with their health. 
and they are diagnosed with something in year one, they, they're struggling, they're praying. We're praying together with them. Five years down the line, they, they're still praying for healing. 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, 20 years down the line, we're like, Lord, where are you? What is going on here? Why haven't you healed this person? We've been standing with them in prayer with our connect group. What is going on here? But what we haven't seen is the number of people that have been looking at this person, seeing their joy in the suffering, seeing the group of believers that have been coming around them, experiencing this joy and this blessing and this community. And at the end of the day, when they were healed, there were a number of people that saw God's goodness to this person's life. Instead of the one person that was healed right here, the timing had God's greater glory, greater benefit in mind. You know, in my own life, I just thought of the example when my daughter was sick. You know, we obviously had prayed for her right from day one and, you know, it was three, four days, five days down the line where she was still struggling. You know, we were praying, obviously, and trusting God. And at the time, we were staying with um, Misha's uncle in Durban while we were preaching that he's a doctor. He was helping us through this process. And at the end of it all, he made the statement. He was like, it was incredible to see your joy and strength in this time, even though your daughter was sick and he's not saved. I was like, what an amazing blessing to be communicating something through the way that we live, even though we were like, Lord, I wish you answered right on day one. No, there was a greater benefit, a greater glory, a greater thing that God wanted to work through our suffering. God's timing is always perfect, and we need to trust in that because he wants to do something greater in our lives. We have to trust in God. You know, when we bring it back to the goal of what prayer is all about, it's all about developing this trust relationship with God. And that's why sometimes the delay develops a dependence on God. You know, like Pastor Vilma, I think what Pastor Andre was talking about before, is that often the times in our lives where we are the most comfortable are the times where we're actually the most distant from God. That's the times where we sort of veer away from God because we're like, no, no, I can do this on my own. Because sometimes when we have comfort without spiritual maturity, it derails us from what God wants to do in our lives. So sometimes God needs to make us go through a bit of a, a wait season to make sure we develop a dependence on Him. We have to trust that God has got our best at heart. The delay develops a dependence. So, we find ourselves and our motives are right. We're aiming to please God. Man, we want God's will more than our own. We know, we know what we want. We're trusting. We've prayed until we've prayed. We know what we want. Now we're in the place where we're trusting in God's timing. Like, Lord, we know that your timing is good. You've got a greater good here. We want to develop, develop a, a dependence on you. We're trusting on that. What are we supposed to do? Point number five, keep relying on God. Keep relying on God. You know, when do we get to that space where we're trusting in God and what we're trusting for is in our daily prayers and we keep bringing it to God? When do we feel like we're getting to become a bit of a nag with God? When do we feel that maybe this is just a, a lack of faith on our part? When do we feel that maybe God has amnesia and we need to remind God about our, our needs that we so desperately want for our lives? What should we do in this space? Let's look at what Jesus says to us here. Luke 11, 5 to 8 says this. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread and you say to him, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, 
If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. This is Jesus saying this. Sometimes I think we're too polite and we're too timid with God. God is saying you need to keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, have a shameless persistence about you when you come to me in prayer. Because sometimes prayer isn't enough. Sometimes we need to fast and pray for what we want. And fasting is not holding God ransom and saying, Lord, I'm not going to eat until you give me what I want. No, no, no. Fasting is is an attitude of of humility that we bring to God. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm putting away my fleshly desires and appetites to tell you that I'm serious about you. And I want you. I want you in this relationship. I want you in this journey of prayer. I'm going to trust you. Sometimes we need to pray on our knees and we get into a posture of humility with God. We need to show God we have a shameless persistence. Man, I'm willing to be humiliated in the space of just on my knees here and I'm trusting you for what I want in my life. We have to have a shameless persistence and a desperation with God when it comes to our prayer. So we may ask, you know, when do I give up on something? When do I give up praying? And, and maybe, maybe the answer is no from God. Here's the thing. Either God will open a door, he will close a door. If we keep trusting him, he will give us clarity, he will give us perspective. But until then, we keep our shameless persistence. And we keep trusting God until he tells us differently. So our motive is right. We're aiming to please God. We want God's will more than our own. We've settled that in our hearts and our minds. We know exactly what we want. We're specific about it. We're trusting God for that. We're waiting on God's timing now. We're keeping on, keeping on asking with the shameless persistence. Now, what's our part in this? What should we be doing about this now? And the point number six is a quote from Pastor Mark Batterson in his book on prayer. And he says this, point number six, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. You know, maybe God is asking us to wait because he can't trust us to be faithful with the blessing yet. You know, we read something very interesting uh, right in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read God's mandate of management and stewardship. It says this in the book of Genesis 2, verses 4 to 5. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. When they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one there to work the ground. See, God won't send the rain, he won't send the blessing if there's no one there to manage it. God won't give us what we pray for, he will only give us what we can manage. Because sometimes we need to organize for what we're praying for. Sometimes we're praying for a relationship, but we don't have a job yet. Don't go to the singles fellowship and get involved in a relationship if you don't have a job yet. You need to sustain your relationship. (laughs) Sometimes we're praying for leadership positions, but we can't manage our own lives yet. We need to make sure we're managing and preparing for what we're praying for. Because sometimes we get the balance wrong between prayer and our responsibility. Pastor Mark Batterson in his book, he says, the prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. We first have to bring the best that we can do before God can bring the best that he can do. We can't abdicate ourselves from responsibility with the excuse of prayer. We need to make sure we're doing what we need 
to do. So let's make sure we don't fall short what prayer was all about. We have this amazing journey that we can step into with God, this trusting relationship, this dependence, this friendship. We need to make sure we step into that. And I love the way that A.W. Tozer puts it. He says that many Christians use prayer as a fire escape only in cases of emergency. When there's so much at store for us at our fingertips with God, we have the right perspective, the right foundation, we can step into all that God has for us in our lives. As we come to a closed church, there's been times where my wife and I, we were on the wrong side of the T's and C's of insurance. What I didn't tell you is that my father-in-law, he owns the insurance company. So many a times he's let us off the hook, not because of anything we've done to deserve it, but because he's our father. There's another group of people that were let off the hook because of their heavenly father. You see, as humanity, we had breached the contract. Like Pastor Vilma was telling us before, in our disobedience, we had breached the contract. We had overstepped the T's and C's. But our heavenly father, he let us off the hook. He sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to come and take our penalty of death, not because we deserved it, but because he's our loving father. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 